Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 19 called Our God is a Consuming Fire. God's enduring love for his people is pictured in the book of Hosea, in the story of the prodigal son, and in the very word of agape. God is bringing now his people close. He's saying, I want you to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. I want to consummate what we began here. I want you to know me, and I want you to be a light to the Gentiles. And if you think about the purpose of the nation of Israel... They were not chosen because they were more numerous than other people. They were not chosen because they were more crafty or intelligent than other people. God said, I chose you simply because I decided to love you. And from Israel comes the Messiah who will be the greatest expression of the love of God to the watching world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so Israel was chosen to bring forth the Messiah, but also to be a light to the Gentiles. And they were given a contract, a ketubah, a covenant to keep. This is how you're going to do it. You're going to represent me. Before we get there, let me just give you one more beautiful passage. Deuteronomy 32, 9 through 12, in Moses' final song, he says, The Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spread his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. The Lord alone guided him. And there was no foreign God with him. Deuteronomy 32, 9 through 12. And I want you to think back to your own faith journey. And think back to the number of times that the Lord has carried you. And sustained you. When you had nothing. Maybe when your faith was low. Maybe when you were in a very difficult season. He kept you as the apple of the eye. He hid you in the shadow of of his wings, Psalm 17, verse 8. It says of the Messiah prophetically that surely he would bear our griefs and carry our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken by God, smitten and afflicted. Remember, brethren? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned on to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, when Jesus Christ was dying on the cross, he was spreading out his hands, carrying us, if you will, taking the wrath of God, paying the ransom price. And he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Cast your cares to him because he cares for 
you. He wants to carry you. And in the ancient world, and this is depicted in Isaiah 46 when the Persians are coming to attack, if you were a a pagan uh, worshiper, you had to literally carry your God to safety. Let me just say this. If you have to carry your God, you may want to get a different God. God promises that he's going to carry you. But if the army was coming and you had your God up on a little, you know, cabinet or something, you want to make sure he didn't fall over if the earth was quaking, you know, tape up some of his wounds, you know, a little crazy glue, and then put him on your shoulder just in case you had to get out quick. If you have to carry your God, get a different God. <laughs> and the God of the Bible, who's the only true God, says, no. I will carry you on eagles' wings in all their affliction. God was afflicted, Isaiah 63, 9, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his mercy, he redeemed them. And he lifted them and carried them all the days of old. Isaiah 63, and then Isaiah will say, in chapter 64, oh, Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down. It's as if he's saying, Lord, if you would come down again like you came on Sinai. And here's the good news. The Lord did rend the heavens. He did come down. Love came down in the person of Jesus Christ on a rescue mission to lift us up on eagle's wings. Now then, look at verse 5. If you will indeed obey my voice if you will obey the ketubah and keep my covenant. Here's the first mention of covenant in Exodus. Then you shall be my own possession or a special treasure to me, New King James, among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. Now this is a clear statement of monotheism in the Bible. God chose Israel, but he's not a localized deity. He doesn't live on Mount Sinai like the ancients think that, you know, the gods lived on Mount Olympus and so forth. That's not the deal. God came down on Sinai, stooped down to us, but he doesn't live on a mountain or in a building. Solomon put it this way. What building could I build that would house you? The earth is your footstool. Amen? God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Paul says to the people listening in Athens, Greece, who were filled swimming under the forest of idolatry, he said, God is not, he does not dwell in buildings made with human hands. That's not who God is. He fills the whole heavens and the earth. And yet, as much as he is above us and holy, he is also close. And how did he get close to us? He came down in the person of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And the Word brought the Word from the Father to us. You want to know who God is? You want to know what the Father's like? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know the heart of God? Listen to my sermons. You want to know the touch of God? Watch how I heal and touch people. You want to know the grace of God? Watch how I interact with people who others say, oh, doesn't he know what kind of woman that is? This is God. To see Jesus is to see God, the greater mediator. Amen? This is how you come to know who God is. You listen to Jesus 
You see what he's conveying from the Father to his people. And so love came down. But there is an expectation. Even though we are saved by grace pictured in the eagle's wings, there's something for us to do. And it's pictured in verse 5. Note it again. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Now we're in the new covenant. Then, you have an if and a then, you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. It will not take long. Israel's going to say, we do, we do. I've done many weddings over the years, and I always am intrigued, and I watch the groom as the bride walks in. I just want to see his face and his reaction. He's always standing next to me, and here she comes, and it's always so wonderful to see his expression. Oftentimes, he hasn't seen her And she comes in this beautiful gown and often accompanied by her father. And I often watch grooms cry. And in the Sinai picture, the bride comes out of Egypt, out of slavery, and comes to the mountain for the wedding. And you can imagine the thrill on both sides. Israel had to be thrilled, even though they were kind of scared by how God uh, displays his power. And God, I'm sure, was thrilled that his people were there and that he could convey his love. And so now the contract is set forth. The expectations of the bride and the groom. Some of you may be saying, well, how does that work and how does that fit with grace? Well, when you get married, you enter into a covenant, amen? And there's expectations on both sides. You don't say to your spouse, you know, I will love you on Wednesdays from one in the afternoon (laughs) till five in the afternoon. And if I feel like it, I will be with other women. Uh, And this is what Israel did, by the way. It didn't take long. Moses is up on the mountain getting the law. And what are they doing down below? Committing adultery with a false god, a golden calf. And they corrupt themselves during the wedding. That's what's happening. They commit adultery on God as he is giving the ketubah to Moses. And Moses takes it. And in the ancient world, contracts were doubled, one for each party. So there are some scholars sticking with the imagery that believe the two tablets of the covenant don't have six and four or five and five commandments, but they are duplicates. And Moses, when he remember when he has them and he sees what the people are doing, he throws the ketubah down and he smashes it. And he says, you've broken the covenant already. And this is, unfortunately, the story of our world where many people don't know if faithfulness is even a thing that can be counted on anymore to, to keep a covenant, to say, I will love you no matter what. I will tell you that in order to be effective as a Christian, even though you are saved by grace, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And 1 John 5, 3 says that his commandments are not burdensome. Can you imagine if you came to your spouse at the end of a week, it's Friday after work, and you said, man, it was such a burden to love you this week. You're killing me. (laughs) You're weighing me down, man. I'm sure you would have a beautiful, thriving relationship. (laughs) These commandments are tough. I don't know why I ever signed that ketubah. (laughs) No, no, no. 
It should be your delight to love your spouse. And the Ten Commandments are all about love. They are summarized in this way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series is called In His Image, A Case for Life in a Post-Roe v. Wade World with guest speaker Scott Klusendorf from the Life Training Institute. You know, sometimes we as pastors think, oh boy, I don't want to get distracted. I want to stay tethered to the Great Commission. And I agree, we should be about the Great Commission. But the question is, what does the Great Commission teach? The Great Commission teaches that we are to disciple believers. What does that mean? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 28, we're to teach them to obey all that Christ commands. What is one of those commands in Scripture? We're not to shed innocent blood. Exodus 23, 7 teaches that. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 teaches that. Matthew 5, 21 references that. So when we speak about abortion, which is the shedding of innocent blood, we're not distracting people from the Great Commission. We're helping them align with it. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com. Or you can subscribe and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. That's Walk in Truth's A Step Closer on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. It should be your delight to love your spouse. And the Ten Commandments are all about love. They are summarized in this way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang the entire law and the prophets. Amen? All God is asking us to do is love him because he first loved us. And you know how we've done with that? You know how Israel did with that? Not so good. In fact, Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations to extend that love to the world, and they largely failed. And then the greater Israel came, Jesus, who became the light, the ultimate light to the Gentiles. And to those who were in darkness, he brought God's great light. We should link verse uh, 5 and 6 so that we get an understanding that even though we are saved by grace, we still have an expectation. See, if we keep his commands, look at verse 6, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Look, I, I bore you on eagle's wings, but there's an expectation here. And if you keep the commands, then you'll be a kingdom of priests. You'll be able to mediate. Think of it this way. As a kingdom of priests, and Revelation 1.6 says this, that we're a kingdom of priests in the New Covenant, the church, the New Testament. Two primary things. One, we can go directly to God through Jesus Christ. Amen? So in that sense, we have a priestly ministry. Second, we are supposed to mediate to a lost and dying world. What does that mean? 
The priesthood of all believers includes the idea that we tell the world how to find the love of God. Do you see that as your mission? Do you see yourself as a kingdom of priests trying to get the world to see God's love, God's values, God's truth? Do we need that more in our day, brethren? Look around. See, the Lord wants us to be a light to the people around us. But if we're not keeping his commandments, we will not shine. We'll be like that light under the bushel instead of letting it shine to those around us. Yes, we're going to do it imperfectly because we're, we're weak. But the more we surrender and the more we decide to get serious with God, the more we will shine as a light to the nations. God said to Abraham, He's called Abram at this time. In you, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. Jesus put it this way. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We have a mission, brethren. And part of that mission is, of course, in our obedience to God and walking out his commands. And so Moses came and called the elders of the people, final two verses, and set before them, he put the ketubah before them, the contract, all these words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we do, we do, we will, we do. (laughs) Sometimes when uh, a bride and groom are at the altar, I kind of want to slow them down a little bit, you know. I'm leading them in the vows. (laughs) Come on, preacher! (laughs) Oh, slow down, man. I know, I know you got a reception and a honeymoon and all that, but slow down. I want you to think about what you're saying here. Did you hear? In sickness and in health. Did you hear that you will devote yourself to her or him and nobody else? Did you hear that there's no fine print in the contract? <laughs> slow down. We do, we do, we will, we will. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I could just slow it down for people at the altar. And even when we're considering the call of God in our lives, be good, just slow it down a little bit. The right answer is we will, we do. But we got to realize what God is saying to us. And Moses conveyed the words and the people said, yes, tell them. And Moses went back up. Moses had to be in really good shape, man. He brought back the words of the people of the Lord. We'll do it. I will betroth you to me forever. Hosea 2.19. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and compassion. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know that I am the Lord. But throughout Israel's history, we know what happened. They failed. And here's the good news, that even when we've fallen on our face, I believe that God has not given up on the nation of Israel. And I believe that Romans 11 tells us that they're going to have an eye-opening experience. And today there are Jewish and Gentile believers in the church. But if you look at the nation of Israel, it is largely atheistic, largely unbelieving, And I believe that God is going to work again in that nation because he will never stop loving them. 
And he said of us, he will love us to the very end. Amen. He will never stop loving you. Now you can make it easier on yourself or harder on yourself, depending on how you respond to what he says. To 1 Peter 2, and we're done. I want you to see what Peter says. He picks up all these images, writing to the church and our mission and our identity. 1 Peter 2, this is something beautiful to be encouraged with as we close this section together. If the worship team can hear my voice, please come on out. 1 Peter 2, verse 4. Peter, writing to the church, says these words. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, 1 Peter 2, 5. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, notice, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word or the ketubah, if you will. And to this doom, they were also appointed. But you, brethren, by contrast, what are you? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Notice how it's applied to the church. A people for God's own possession, his treasured possession. And here's your mission. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, out of Egypt, if you will into his marvelous light. You've been listening to Our God is a Consuming Fire, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus, Chapter 19. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with questions you may have from today's teaching, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Again, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the end of our fiscal year as a ministry is March 31st. Our goal this year has been to reach 50% uh, listener support in, in terms of our radio ministry and podcasting ministry. And we're about 75% there. We're about $13,800 away. And, uh, I just want to say thank you for all of you who have helped us get close to that goal. We would like to reach that goal because what happens is whatever shortfall there may be, our church, our local church actually picks that up. And our local church uh, has made a commitment to radio and podcasting, but the more listeners uh, partner with us, the more it takes the burden off the church and the more we can expand this ministry. So I'd like to thank a few people who have come alongside. First of all, Taylor from Agora Hills, 
for your gift of $25. Thank you so much. We had an anonymous gift of $1,000, a one-time gift, uh, and we're so grateful for that gift. So grateful for Taylor uh, giving 25 and Mark from Orange County who gave a $20 gift to Walk in Truth. That's as easy as it is. You know, I'm amazed. I, uh, we go out to, uh, let's just say, a basic restaurant and a couple people eat and it's 30 bucks. you know. Well, if you went home and made a sandwich, you you can maybe give that m- money to the work of the Lord, perhaps to walk in truth or another faithful ministry. It's really that simple. So I would encourage you to pray about it. If you can give a one-time gift or become a monthly partner, that would be awesome. We appreciate it so much. Go to walkintruth.com. You can click on the donate button. Walkintruth.com. Click on the donate button. You may say, why should I give to a radio ministry? Because if you're being fed and being blessed and being taught and encouraged, well, if you believe in it, then other people can be taught and blessed and grow and be encouraged. We want to reach as many people as we can while we yet have time. Would you come alongside us? If you want to find out more, walkintruth.com. You can check out all the info on the ministry, or you can call us Tuesday through Friday during normal uh, Pacific time business hours. It's 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Just want to say, We love you. Thank you, all of you who faithfully listen and support us. And thank you for praying for us. We appreciate it. We love you. We'll see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. God bless. And join us tomorrow for part four of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 19 called Our God is a Consuming Fire. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.